Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone, Happy New Year and welcome to the first issue for 2024 of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. After poor returns in 2022 on the back of high and rising inflation, a surge in interest rates, the invasion of Ukraine and recession worries, 2023 was a far better year for investors as inflation fell and investment markets anticipated lower interest rates ahead. This saw average balanced superannuation funds in Australia return around 9.5%, more than making up for the 4.8% loss seen in 2022. As both shares and bonds rallied. In fact, over the last five years, those super funds have returned on average around 7.5%, which has exceeded inflation. I guess the big question is, can the rebound continue or will markets have a rough year? What we're going to do this week is go through some of the key themes and insights regarding those themes for the year ahead. But first, have a quick recap of 2023. I think in 2023, we saw five key themes. We saw stronger than feared economic growth. We saw disinflation. In fact, inflation across major countries fell from peaks of around 8 to 11% in 2022 to around 3 to 5% as supply pressure and demand eased. We've likely also seen a peak in interest rates from major central banks, and this probably includes the Reserve Bank of Australia, although there was still a significant at risk of one more hike. But I think when you look at Europe and the US, it looks to me almost certain that those countries have seen a peak in their interest rates. Geopolitical threats continued, but proved not to be as worrying as feared. And the fifth key theme of 2023 was that artificial intelligence hit the big time after the launch of ChatGPT. This helped tech stocks, mostly in the US, of course, reverse their 2022 slump. So what are five key lessons from 2023? I think the first one is that monetary policy still works in controlling inflation. Yes, the lags are long and variable, but ultimately this time was not really different. That said, we still have a fair way to go in getting inflation fully back to target. Second key lesson, I think, was that you can't ignore population growth. Certainly the case in Australia, where we saw a surge in immigration playing a big role in pushing home prices back up and avoiding recession. Third key lesson, I think, is that timing markets is very hard. We often see this as a key lesson in many years, particularly through the pandemic years. It was very easy to be gloomy going into 2023 with a long worry list and shares plunging into October of last year, but timing markets on the back of all this was a loser as shares surge putting in strong returns. The fourth key lesson for investors from 2023 was that geopolitics matters, but it's hard to predict. For example, no one predicted Hamas's attack on Israel, and the impact can often be less than feared, with the world learning to live with the war in Ukraine and the Israel-Hamas war, not at least not yet causing a surge in oil prices. And the final key lesson is, I think, to turn down the noise. Investors are being hit increasingly with often irrelevant, low quality and conflicting information, which boosts uncertainty. The key, I think, is to turn down the noise on all this information and stick to a long-term strategy. So looking into 2024, I think there's three big worries. The first one, of course, relates to the issue of the last uh, couple of years, and that is inflation. It's still too high and its decline is likely to remain somewhat bumpy. It won't go in a straight line. So central banks could still have another hawk turn. And even if not, there is a high risk that rate cuts may not come as quickly as markets expect. For example, money markets in Europe and the US are factoring in rate cuts from March, whereas I think particularly in the US, it could come a little bit later than that, even though that's the direction we're heading in. Second big worry for 2024 is that the risk of recession is very high. It's hard to see the biggest rate hiking cycle since the 1980s not having a major 
impact. And the risks are already evident in tighter US lending standards, falling lending in Europe and stalling consumer spending in Australia. Risks around the Chinese economy and property sector also remain high and add to the risk of recession globally. Finally, is that geopolitical risk this year is likely very high. We're going to see half of the world's population seeing elections, including in the US, European Union and India. The US government could have a shutdown starting 19th of January, although there have been some positive signs regarding that recently, but that uncertainty remains. And more importantly, uh, we could have another divisive Biden versus Trump presidential election later this year. And coming up soon, the result of Taiwan's 13th of January election could see an easing or an escalation of tensions with China, depending on who wins. And on top of all of this, the war in Ukraine is continuing and there is still a high risk that the Israel-Hamas war could spread, threatening all supplies, particularly with Iran's proxy Houthi rebels in Yemen, disrupting the Red Sea shipping route. But I think there's four big reasons for optimism. Inflation has eased sharply to around 3% in major industrial countries, and of course in Australia at around 5%, and is likely to continue to fall as supply chain pressures have eased. Demand is cooling and labour markets are easing. This includes in Australia, which lagged US inflation on the way up and is just doing the same on the way down. So I wouldn't read too much into the fact that our inflation rate is still above that in the US and elsewhere. It reflects the fact that we took longer to take off on the way up. I think we, we lagged the US by about six months at the peak. Our peak was at the end of 2022, whereas in the US, the peak there was in the middle of 2022 because I think the big driver there was the fact that we came out of the lockdowns uh, more slowly than the US did. So it took our economy a little bit longer to uh, to really gather steam and the inflation pick up to gather steam. So I wouldn't be too concerned that our inflation rate is still above that in the US. Secondly, second reason for optimism, we expect that the ECB will start cutting rates in March, followed by the Fed and the Bank of Canada in the June quarter. While there is still a high risk of one more hike in Australia in February, falling inflation should head this off. So our base case is that the RBA has peaked on interest rates and from around June will start cutting, ultimately taking the cash rate down to 3.6% by year end. Just as rate hikes were bad for shares in 2022, rate cuts should ultimately be positive. Although, again, there can be a little bit of a lag there. Third reason for optimism is that while recession is a high risk and markets are no longer priced for it, if it does occur, it should be mild. Most countries have not seen a spending boom that needs to be unwound. In Australia, consumer spending, housing investment and business investment are not running at excessive levels relative to the overall size of the economy economy and Chinese growth is soft and property sector risks are high, but it's likely that China will target roughly 5% GDP growth this year once again and back this up with fiscal stimulus if need be. Final reason for optimism is that while there's lots of geopolitical risks around, they might may not turn out to be as bad as feared. The US has a strong incentive to avoid an escalation in the Israel-Hamas war. Obviously, it wants to keep oil prices down ahead of the presidential election later this year. The Ukraine war could turn into a frozen conflict, certainly bad for Ukraine, but uh, investment markets wouldn't mind if it just settled, continued to settle in the background, and elections won't necessarily go in adverse directions for markets. In relation to the US, the presidential election year normally sees average share returns. That's measured by the S&P 500 over the last uh, 50, 60 years, and Trump could falter before the election. So he may not turn out to be the Republican candidate. Who knows? Long way to go before we get to that point. So what are our key views on markets for 2024? Easing inflation pressures, central banks moving to cut rates, and prospects for stronger growth in 2025 should make for okay returns in the year ahead. However, with growth slowing, shares historically intending to fall during the initial phase of rate cuts, a very high risk of recession, and investors in share market valuations no longer positioned for recession, it's likely to be a rougher and more constrained ride for investment markets than we saw in 2023. After balanced funds 
In Australia, balanced growth funds on average returned around 9.5% in 2023. We expect some slowdown in 2024 to around maybe just below 5.5%. With inflation coming down, that should still exceed inflation and preserve the solid longer-term average track record for these funds. Several points to note in relation to all of this. Global shares are expected to return a far more constrained 7%. Just bear in mind that they returned over 20% in 2023. The first half of this year could be rough as growth weakens, but shares should ultimately benefit from rate cuts and lower bond yields and the anticipation of stronger growth later in the year and in 2025. Australian shares are likely to outperform global shares after underperforming in 2023, helped by somewhat more attractive valuations. A recession could threaten this though, so it's hard to have a strong view. Bear in mind, recession in Australia is not our base case, but it is a significant risk and we put that risk at around 40%. We expect the ASX 200 to end 2024 at around 7,900 points. Mind you, we have revised that up in the last couple of weeks, partly reflecting that very strong rally towards the end of 2023. Bonds are likely to provide returns around running yield or a bit more as inflation slows and central banks cut rates. Unlisted commercial properties probably likely to remain weak with negative returns yet again due to the lagged impact of high bond yields and the working from home phenomenon. Home prices in Australia, we think will probably come off a little bit on average as uh, high interest rates get the upper hand again and immigration levels start to slow. Our bet they're still going to be pretty high and unemployment rises. That said, the supply shortfall should prevent a sharper fall and we should expect a wide dispersion across cities and states. As we go into the latter part of the year, rate cuts should help the property market. Cash and bank deposit returns are expected to be 4% or a little bit more. And finally, we see the Aussie dollar rising probably heading around 72 US cents by the end of the year due to the fall in the overvalued US dollar and the Fed cutting interest rates more than the RBA. Just a few points on Bitcoin. Firstly, it rose solidly in 2023. It was up, in fact, 157%, which will obviously engender some interest in it um, because, as we all know, investment interest tends to follow after strong gains. Just bear in mind, though, that this followed a 64% fall in 2022, so it's still well below its record levels, and it remains very volatile. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies remain highly geared to US shares and expectations for interest rates, explaining its sharp fall in 2022 when shares fell and rates rose and its rebound with shares in 2023. So you are buying into a super geared version of the share market. Fourth point to note in relation to Bitcoin is that it's yet to find a clear use beyond as something to speculate in, making it very hard to value fundamentally, unlike say property, which provides rents and shares, which provide earnings and therefore give you a handle on to provide some sort of fundamental valuation. Recent gains in Bitcoin owe partly to excitement around this year's halving, which uh, is a technical term for a halving in the amount of Bitcoin that Bitcoin miners receive as a reward and anticipation of an exchange-traded fund that can invest in Bitcoin. Now, of course, this is rather than fundamental developments regarding its use. And finally, it's just worth noting there is value in blockchain technology for things like decentralized finance, contracts, etc., which is positive for cryptocurrencies like Ethereum. But again, this is very hard to value. So I reckon it's again a case of buy beware when it comes to Bitcoin. I remain sceptical. Five key things to watch for the year ahead. Obviously, inflation, we want to see it continuing to fall. If it doesn't, and or central banks uh, drag the chain in cutting interest rates, it adds to the risk of a deep recession. Recession is the next big thing to watch. A mild recession should be manageable. Bear in mind, our base case is that recession will be avoided, but there is a high risk there, as I've noted before. A mild recession should be manageable, but a deep recession will mean significant downside in share markets. So far, global business conditions PMIs, their surveys of businesses around the world are soft, but still consistent with okay growth. Thirdly, keep an eye on the Chinese economy. Chinese property sector is 
continuing to struggle and without measures to support consumers in China, this could hurt its economy with a flow on to demand for Australian exports. Geopolitics is a big one, obviously, with all those elections. And of course, the US is the big one there. But of course, issues in Taiwan and of course, the Middle East. And finally, keep an eye on the Australian consumer. Consumer spending has slowed sharply and risk stalling as a result of cost of living pressures, high interest rates and higher unemployment. I reckon though, at the end of the day, there's always nine things investors should remember. And I've written various notes on this and undertaken various podcasts on it. First one is to make the most of compound interest. That's the best way to grow your wealth. Secondly, don't get thrown off by cyclical swings. They often throw off people at precisely the wrong time when the market's down and therefore people lock in a loss. Try and invest for the long term. Get a long-term strategy appropriate for your needs and stick to it. Diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Turn down the noise. We've already talked about that one in this podcast. Buy low and sell high. Unfortunately, many people do the exact opposite. Avoid the crowd at extremes. Focus on investments you understand offering sustainable cash flow. And this is where I get a bit uh, skeptical about Bitcoin. And finally, seek advice. Investing can get complicated and it's often hard to stick to a long-term investment strategy on your own. So I might leave it there. I hope that's been of value. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver in the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favorite streaming platform.